Praise be to God. We're so happy that we have him to look to today. <clears throat> I feel sorry for the majority of the population of the earth today. <clears throat> Many of them do not have a clue what awaits them. For many in America, they do not have a clue. Their ends will be filled with craters, explosions that'll be so tremendous before that ever happens, earthquakes that will be beyond anything our nation has ever known. Millions will die at one time. A chunk of the earth, three to 400 miles wide, 1,500 miles long. will break off, fall plumb down into the core of the earth, towards the core of the earth. Tidal waves shoot plumb back to Kentucky. Amen. I'm glad I've got a hiding place. Amen. You know what it is? Eagle feathers. Amen. That's one reason I love this message. Because it is a gathering of the eagles. I used to fly around with the crows. I used to sit with the chickens. Come on, you did too. But I'm so glad I finally one day realized who I was by the grace of God. Amen. We greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. So happy for the opportunity to be gathered together again today in the house of God. We know we're living in strenuous times, difficult times, but... There are also great things that are happening, as we just heard the testimony there a while ago, and the Lord is doing, doing wonderful things. We had a, a wedding here on Friday, uh, so right in the middle of difficulty, middle of hardships, good things are happening. Uh, Brother Aaron and Sister Melissa Vaughn had a new baby boy that was born, so here's marriages and babies being born, and the time that people are dying, distress and trouble and heartache. While people don't know what to do, it really just depends on the way you're going to look at it. Right. Trouble going to come? Certainly it's going to come. Right. But we have a way to be able to deal with it by the grace of God. We have a promise that the world does not have. And that is that all things will work for the good to the good of them that love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. How many can witness that today that it's happened in your life? Things that it looked like there's no way that it would work out. And out of some hardships that seem so unbearable, and yet God turned something into it and just make it such a tremendous blessing. Amen. 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 Let's turn again today, if you would, to the book of Romans, chapter 8. <clears throat> chapter 8, verse 8. We'll read um, a few verses here. I want to speak to you animals today. <laughs> On the way you got back. Now, I'm not sure if you all understand or not, but everybody that I'm looking at is an animal. This man you're looking at here in the pulpit is an animal. Paul was an animal. I'm going to make some of you mad, but William Branham was an animal. All the Branham family are animals. All the Reagan family are animals. You might as well say it. Just go ahead. And... But God wanted to make a way to be able to get us out of that 
animal dominance that controlled our lives. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That is living by the nature of the animal life, living in the flesh and after the flesh. But ye are not in the animal life, but in the spirit, if so be the spirit of God dwelling you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. Now, you notice this is capital S, which is not human spirit, but Holy Spirit, God's presence. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies because you learn to memorize the quotes and because you learn to memorize the word. No, that's not the way you overcome. You could be a marvelous theologian. You could know the message and know the Bible, know the Greek and the Aramaic and the diphthongs and all the rest of them thongs and in and out and all that stuff that goes with it and be as lost as lost could be. Because it's not the knowing of the word that quickens your life into obedience, but it's the spirit. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. How many would like to be remembered today as we go to the Lord in prayer? Let's just pray God will open our hearts, shall we, to his word. Lord Jesus, we love you so much today. Thank you, Father, for redeeming us, Lord, from ourselves. God, I pray that you would open our understanding today. May the marvel and the mystery of what you've done Make it simple for us today, would you, Lord? I pray, God, that your great presence would take the word. I've read it, and I will read more here shortly and try my best to help them to see it. But really, I can only go so far. It takes you to help us. Lord God, may your presence come today. You saw that there were hundreds of hands that were uplifted here today signifying a need. Some might have been small. Some might have been so urgent that they don't know what to do. But you're a God, the only God that there really is that can give life and answer prayer. Lord, as I've stood in the Hindu worship festivals and see them, Lord God, take long pins about six inches long and run them through the tongues of those worshipers. Seeing them take gigantic grab hooks and put in the backs of those people and watch them as they would pull those carts with these idol images on them. And they would be so far out under demonic anointing, they didn't even know where they were. But Lord God, there was not a God of life there anywhere. It was just heathen, idol, worship. Lord Jesus, we don't approach an idol today. 
we do not want to even make your cross an idol. Or we don't want to make you an idol. We want you to be a living God. For an idol God, we can pick it up in our pocket, polish it. We can change its looks. And that's what many people have done to you. They have this idol called Jesus Christ. They have an idol that they call Jesus Christ. But they have changed your character. They've made you fit their modern ideology of this day. But we don't want no idol called Jesus Christ. We want a living God called Jesus Christ. That we cannot shape, we cannot change, we cannot alter. But instead of us wanting to alter you, we want you to alter us. Granted, I pray today, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh or in the animal part, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So in my animal life, Paul was saying in my flesh, in my animal life, is another person, that my animal life is just a mask, as most of you have one on here today, except the mask that you are wearing is only partial, covering your nose, your face, your mouth, a big portion of your face. But the real mask is not the blue, the black, the green, whatever you have on today, but the real mask is the animal body that contains the living God. Now, whenever you all get done with service today, I'm sure that most of you are so happy that you cannot wait to get outside that door and get in safe range and reach up there and pull that crazy thing off of your face. Is there anybody here that loves your mask? Is there anybody that wants to wear it even when it comes to a spot that they say we don't need to wear it anymore? Is there anybody here so in love with your mask that you simply want to wear it every day for the rest of your life? Really? You know what puzzles me about that is that how come we don't feel that way about the bigger mask? Now, the reason most of us do not like it is because it's inconvenient. Those of you that have the paper ones are the same way, no doubt, that I am. The little threads and things start coming loose on the inside and they go to tickling your nose and you're sitting there rubbing your nose and you're breathing it in and out. And Some of you I've noticed on Sunday morning that it's depriving your oxygen a little bit because some of y'all are more sleepy than you've ever been in your life. Uh, so that, that's just part of it. Actually, some of you look better with a mask on that hides that nose of yours. <laughs> but for the most part, we, we, just, we just don't like them, right? Because it's inconvenient. 
but we become so accustomed to this mask here, we simply love it. We take up for it. If anybody would hurt this mask feelings, now anybody could criticize our face mask and most of us would just laugh right with them. If they would say, boy, that's a strange color, or why you got that, we just, oh, you know, oh, you know. But boy, if they say something to hurt this mass feelings, we won't speak to them for a week. We'll get on Facebook and we'll, isn't it amazing how we treat this mass versus this one? Now, why is it that we so dislike this face mask or whatever you've got up, whether it's just deal up on your neck and you pull it up, whatever it is, it, it's supposedly trying to help you stay healthy. But this one here is actually an animal, this one. Now, at least the one you've got on your face. I don't see anybody here this morning with a bobcat or a lynx or a tiger or a cat or a dog or anything like that on your face. So it is either cotton or nylon polyester mix or 100% cotton or a fabric that is supposed to be three-ply strong. This one here has caused you more problems than that mask among your face has ever caused you. Some people won't come to church because they gotta wear this one. But actually this one ain't the problem. The other mask is the issue. Now Paul had come to a great understanding that I hope God will help us to come to. Eventually we will to where that he realized that in his animal life, there was no good thing. That his animal life was a constant battle and he had to die to it every day. It was the greatest pitfall of his Christianity, his animal life. But he knew that he had received another person in his person, another soul in his soul. Unlike the Paschal Lamb of the Old Testament or a dove or a pigeon or an ox or whatever it was that it was the atonement or the wave offering or the sheave offering, none of them, now they had animal life or botany life which was taken from them to be offered before the presence of God for the worshiper, but yet none of those had a soul. When God started with the lower forms of life and started with maybe the one cell amoeba and started creating the lower forms of life and kept coming higher and higher and higher. And for many of them, even in the oceans, that he began with those in the lower form of life and had a very, very small span of intelligence. But God kept bringing it higher and higher up to the dolphins and to the whales and many of those that man is able to teach them various things to do. But certain things of the animal life in the water world, it's like they do not have the ability. You could spend all of your life 
trying to teach some of them tricks and they'll never do it because they do not have the ability to learn. Same in the animal life. Some animals, we can teach them. You can take your dog or a cat or certain animals, certain birds. You can teach them to do certain tricks because the advancement of the intelligence in creation. Yet not one of them has a soul. Now what is this mysterious thing that human beings have which is called a soul? Poets wrote about it and have been writing thus for thousands of years. People who have written songs have written songs about the soul, even people that don't believe in God. But what really is the soul? Now we talk about, well, my soul this and my soul that and God bless your soul and your soul, but actually what is the soul? Our problem is a soul problem when we're born into the world. Now we're born, of course, in animal life, but actually the animal life in the beginning was not wrong and it was not bad. Actually, when God created it and placed the soul man inside the animal life, believe it or not, for how many ever years that it was, it was in perfect harmony. So the animal life itself was not sinful originally. But it was the breath of God that breathed into the body or the animal life. Now God, of course, made this man in his own image. Now listen to me carefully that God is a trinity just as you are. So you are a soul, a spirit, and a body, which is Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and Jesus. Now listen, the trinity of God is not three beings. It's not three gods. But it is Father, Soul, or Holy Spirit, which is baptism of the Holy Ghost, Son of God, God is a spirit. And then we have the body, which is Jesus. So your soul is in a reflected image of Father God. Your human spirit in a condescended form is in that mirror image of the Holy Spirit. Now what is the Son of God? I know it confuses people, it shouldn't really. But the Son of God is not just the human body. But this is why Brother Branham would say he was revealed in the church ages as Son of God, which was not flesh, but spirit. So what was Son of God? The condescension of the work of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that was able to get into human hearts. How many has the Holy Ghost today? What is that? Son of God in spirit form. Now, the Lord Jesus, the body, the human part, does not live in our human part. It is the Son of God. What was it? Son or pneuma, spirit of the eternal, condescended form. So the sonship was the way Father broke down the ability for his children to have a portion of his own life. This is the real Son of God. This is what people miss when they keep pointing to the man, the body, 
the sacrificial atonement hanging on the cross, and that's all they identify as the Son of God. And they think all they need is the literal chemistry from the blood of what they're calling the Son of God. But the Son of God is more than the human body. The Son of God is that portion of spirit that comes back to live inside of you. Now today I have in my body the embodiment of the Son of God. I don't have Jesus' eyes. I don't have Jesus' nose. I don't have Jesus' ears. But that body is on the throne of God. But I have today in my body, and so do you that have the Holy Ghost, you have was in you the very life of the Son of God himself. So how is it the Son of God? It's that condescended form of God the eternal which could not live just in me or live just in you, but in the form of sonship. He was able to divide himself on the day of Pentecost. What's this? I don't know if it's been a while since you've listened to this or not, but it might do you good to listen to it. Some folks are afraid to listen to it because it can be a little bit scary. But it's a sermon entitled Souls That Are in Prison Now. Now, we don't want to look so much at the prison part, although that's certainly going on around us. But to me, Brother Branham, and whenever he goes to dealing with the soul inside of this sermon, that he, he, God allows him to open up things about the soul and bring things together that he never quite said before, quite like this. Listen to this in paragraph 36. Now, the soul of man is not the body of man, it's the soul. See, the soul is something that's the nature of the spirit. Now, remember, we've been looking about the kenosis of the Lamb of God. So it was more than just him becoming a man. It was more than him becoming a human being. And it was not enough that he would become just a human being and give himself in a substitutionary work, but he must give us something back that would eliminate our issue. Now, if he came only as a substitution and died on the cross in my place and said, well, I, I take Donnie's problems and truly I would be the epitome of the gospel of what people preach today is and that, a pers- that is a person that believes on the work that the Lord Jesus did, but he did not impart to me a life to overcome. Now, this is the gospel that the majority of Christians believe today that the Lord Jesus took their place, the Lord Jesus died for them, and he knows basically they're a hopeless cause, still are, and they'll never be able to live a godly life, they'll never be able to live a life above sin, so they go ahead and sin a little bit every day, sometimes more on on other days, on the weekend, you know, you can sin a little bit more, and you can really majorly sin on vacation. Uh, But then you've always got the blood, the blood cleanses you and all that. So that's the gospel, the watered down version of it, that many people believe today, that you cannot live a perfect life. If you don't, you're lost. The Bible tells us, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Look, you are not going to heaven a flawed man or woman. You will leave perfect or you don't leave. 
and there's only way we can ever reach perfection, and that is for the perfected one to come himself. But not leave us a symbol or an idol, as I said in my prayer, that many have turned Christianity into an idol. So they made the Lord Jesus simply an idol. The cross is an idol and a piece of idolatry that is used in worship. To me, the cross is much more than that. As a matter of fact, when you go to reading the Gospels, if you haven't done it lately, and you go to reading from Romans and Galatians and Philippians and Philemon and Thessalonians and all of that down through there, you will find that they referred to the cross. But to them, it was not just those two pieces of wood, but it was the metaphoric symbol of what the cross stood for. But today, the substitute of that, of course, Catholic Church claimed they have one of it. They've got 20-some different nails that they drove in his hands. I'm not sure how that works since it was just three. Uh, But yet, you know, what do they want? They want a natural something to be able to say, well, Saint so-and-so is here and Saint so-and-so. So So you go into many of those places and I've been to different Catholic places around the world and whenever you do, every one of them have those icons. Well, you know, the word icon is a Greek word. It's a great word when you place it in its meaning of actually what it is. Paul used the Greek word icon and he used it several times in his epistles, but he used it in the way of revelation and that is an image. So it was an image, a supernatural image that God gave to man. But man takes the word icon and man wants to make a symbol. So he wants to set up something that people can come and look toward and they can touch it and they can rub it and they can look at it and somehow that that thing imparts to them some kind of power. Nonsense. Heathenism. Well, praise the Lord. Well, Brother Donnie, don't you go to some of them places? Sure. I've been in Sabino Canyon. I've been right there where Brother Stephen Smith took me years ago. Whenever the angel of the Lord come down and cut down the tops of the trees, I stood right there where it happened. And you can stand there and still see them trees because they're cut off. Now, you've got others that are grown up real tall, and you can see where the presence of God come down and cut them. I've been there. I thank God for those places. But I never worshiped the trees when I was there. I never worshiped the ground when I was there, praise the Lord. I worship the God who came there, who is still alive, praise the Lord. I've been to Jeffersonville, I've been to the tabernacle, Brother Billy Pauls took me through, let me go right there to Brother Random's office, go back there and sit at the desk. I thank God for that. Sure, it has something to us. I don't worship the desk, I don't worship the chair that he sat in, praise the Lord. I don't worship any of those things. I've been to Jerusalem where Jesus was, or he walked down through there, the Via Della Rosa, all that. I never worshiped the stones. I never worshiped the, the place where they said his body laid. I worshiped the God who brought him out of there. Right? So to us then, we do not want to become heathens and worship the wood of the cross. Or we don't want to worship the man who brought us the message of the hour. We want to worship the God of the message of the hour. Now, whenever we go to looking at what makes us different than a cow, a horse, a dog, a pig, wonder why you never see a bird bowed down before an idol? Now, whether or not you know it, birds do worship, and cows worship, and horses worship, and whales worship, and dolphins worship, and leaves actually worship. 
They must be really sad right now for a lot of them have already lost their leaves and they will rejoice in the spring because they get their leaves back and they clap their little hands. Right. You see, the stars of heaven, they actually worship God. Animals worship God. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. But have you ever walked by and seen a dog bow down to a wooden idol? Have you ever bowed down and see a cow or a horse or a pig? Now we call a pig a dumb animal, but have you ever seen a dumb animal like a pig making an idol out of their own body the way humans do? You ever see a pig worship itself or a dog or a cat? No, all they know is survival and reproduce and eat and survive and reproduce and they live their life and they're done. And you'll never see them on their own instinct bow down. Why? Because they do not have a soul. Now, I know that maybe some of you will put a little outfit on your dog or a little outfit on your cat or this, that, the other, but you'll never see a dog doing it on its own because a dog does not have a soul. So a dog does not know uh, about covering. A cat does not know about covering. But why is it that we human beings in our right mind that we put on clothes? And we know, of course, in the beginning we did not need them. But once we broke from the dispensation of innocence, then we moved into the dispensation of conscience. So then with that, God made us so that we have a conscience which will begin to prick us when we're very young. When we say things wrong, do things wrong, or you know, just do something that we shouldn't do, then that conscience, not even being saved, not even being born again, every human being has it. It's part of the affiliation of God giving us that soul. So what is that soul? Well, it starts out as the nature of the spirit, the prophet said. Then when the nature of a man, when he said, we are dead, the scripture plainly tells us that we are dead and our lives are hid in God through Christ, sealed there by the Holy Spirit. Now it wasn't your body that died. It wasn't your spirit that died. It was the nature of your spirit died, see? The nature which is the soul. The nature of your soul is God if you're born again. Now you see what God must, must accomplish through the work of kenosis in order to bring us back that the nature of our spirit will die. It cannot be our spirit because in our spirit is imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affection. It cannot be our body as, as the great learned man in St. John 3 was told about being born again. And he said, how? Nicodemus uh, trying to understand how can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? But Jesus was relating to him how that the new birth was from the inside out. So many of you here today that are born again, this is actually what happened to you. Now listen, the nature of your soul is God if you're born again. Watch him now, he does not say the nature of your spirit, but the nature of your soul. So your soul initially was the nature of your spirit. But when you become born again, then your soul is the nature 
of God. Now, none of us are born that way. All of us are born lost, right? We are not born saved. We are not born regenerate. We are born lost in this lost status all we brought to the earth. But then God wanted to bring us to this state to where we are saved or found. Notice it's not of the world. Anything that began has to end. So therefore, the only way you can have eternal life is to have a life that never did begin. And then your life did begin when you were born. When God breathes a breath of life into your nostrils and you became a living soul, then you began then. Now this is the natural part. This is the animal. But how do we ever get born again? And what part is it that actually gets born again? Now I hate to say it today, but the truth of it is for many Christians, they're trying to save the old man. It's sad really how many message people believe that. How many message preachers believe it? You'll never show me a one that don't understand predestination that's ever got the new birthright. Because what do you do every time? He'll want to take that thing that you were born in and wants to save that. Wants to sanctify that and try to fill that with the Holy Ghost. And there's only one hope for you to ever be born again. And that is that part they're trying to save is killed. And then something else is reborn in you, which is what? The deposit of the seed of God. You can see why Satan hates this teaching in the message. But that's all right. I'm going to teach it anyhow. The more hell fights it, the more I'm going to preach it. Now watch this, he says, the scripture plainly tells us that we are dead, our lives are hid in God through Christ sealed there by the Holy Spirit. Now it wasn't your body that died, it wasn't your spirit that died, it was the nature which is the soul. Now watch now, remember the predestinated seed that God sowed in you when you come to the earth. That predestinated seed was not the nature of your spirit that you were born in. It's quite all right for you to be quiet today and listen. Don't bother me. It is not the nature of your spirit that we're referring to. That deposit that God breathed into you, the breath of life, was nothing to do with your father or your mother. It was nothing to do with you. It was the deposit of eternal life, God himself. But now you cannot have two natures, two souls, in you that are alive and dominating at the same time. But you can have the nature of your spirit which you were born with and it will yield to your first husband. And that first husband will rule over you and the other one, the seed of God, will lay in you in a state of dormant. It'll be dormancy and it'll never, it'll never be quickened. It'll never come alive. It cannot be because you would be deformed to have two souls in you at the same time. Well, praise the Lord. So it will lay there for years, for decades, however long, until God can get the nature of your spirit to reason together with him. Praise the Lord. Now watch, he said, the nature of your soul is God if you're born again. 
And if it's not, it's all of the world. Anything that begins has to end. So therefore, the only way you can ever have eternal life is to have a life that never did begin. Now watch this in paragraph 37. That nature that was in you, that nature you was of the world, alienated from God. That's exactly right. Actually, an animal. Ah. Actually, an animal. Anyone knows that we are. Now, not that we were. Oh, you said I was an animal before I become born again. You're still one after you're born again. But you're not an animal in your soul any longer. Now, can you imagine if we'd be able to go to Africa and catch a big lion and somehow we'd be able to go inside of that lion and find his nature? And we would be able to take the nature out of that lion and we would take a Siamese cat or we'd take your favorite house cat. That is, nature's so mild and so gentle, if there is such a thing in a house cat. Anyway, now if we could be able to find that in the cat and, and be able to take this nature out of the house cat and put it inside this, this black mane uh, lion from Africa. And, and whenever he wakes up, now he comes to himself and he begins to yawn and he wakes up and he looks around and here's Impala that are standing by him and over here are Jim's buck and over here are zebra and all kinds of things that are all around him which would have been appetizer, breakfast, lunch. But now he looks at him and he says, meow. And we would look at that line and say, what in the world? Instead of him getting out there, he goes, meow. You know that thing they do? They know I don't like them, and every time I get around one, they go straight to my legs. Looking up at me. <laughs> I say, I'm not the only one they did that to. It would be a marvel of science. Now, this same line might have been brought up and, and taught not to kill and not to do this and that, but the primate nature inside of that line will do it. This is why that they will turn on people that's, that's been, been my, you know, been trainers and guides and so on, and we hear about it all the time, and they mauled them and they've done this and that and the other. Why? Because that nature is still in them. But yet somehow we were able to go inside of there and actually help that lion have a new birth. So he gets up and he shakes that black mane and he walks around and them impala, they take off 90 miles an hour. Everything around him runs off and he said, what's the matter? I'm changed. I'm not who I used to be. That second generation in Paolo is singing, you ate my mama. You expect me to believe that? 
You ate my grandpa. You ate my third cousin, my uncle, so-and-so and so. Do you think he's going to trust him? It's going to take a long time, same way when we really become born again. Why? Because we're still living in this outer shell. But God, hallelujah, God took the animal nature out of the soul and put the nature of Jesus Christ inside of us. But we're still dealing with the roaring part. Now you see, those of you that have the Holy Ghost, you've got that little lamb on the inside. Boy, he don't never get mad. He don't never get all upset and frustrated. But you got that line on the outside. And he loves to roar. Oh, he loves to scare people and he loves to intimidate or whatever more. Y'all don't understand what I'm talking about this morning? Oh, how wonderful it would have been had the Lord Jesus wanted in his purpose to be able to totally eradicate the lion that I live in and made me a complete lamb. But that was not his plan. Notice this, the prophet said, you see, what made us different from other mammals? Let me go back here at the top of this paragraph, read it again. Anyone knows that we are mammal? How many knows that we are mammal? We are warm-blooded animal. Now, don't raise your hands, but I wonder how many folks here today fight temper. Don't raise your hand. Those of you out on the internet, you either. wonder how many folks fight temper, and you on the occasion lose that temper. And you say things you wish you wouldn't have said. And most of the time when we're upset and angry, we pick the sharpest cutting words we can find because we intend to hurt with them. We want to make our point, boy. Ain't nobody pushing me around, bless God. Sit down in line and shut up. That line of yours is going to get you in a heap of trouble. Well, praise the Lord. Now, God put a soul in this animal life, but yet I'm still a mammal. I'm still an animal on the outside. What's the way he relates this? He says that, what, see what made us different from other mammals, that God put a soul upon us. Now, other mammals don't have to wear clothes. No other mammal has to wear clothes to hide his shame but us. We're the only ones that does because we have a soul. But see, God in the beginning knew what man would be like. He created the earth and brought up all kinds of animals from the very lowest to the highest. And the highest animal come forth was man. Don't you see what your body change is going to be? Finally change your animal life. Now here is this dove of the Holy Ghost, this lamb of the Holy Ghost living inside of a wolverine. Or a pit bull for some of you. Or a donkey for some of you. just depending on how your nature. Now listen, you know as well as I know, there are dog raisers here in the building today and they raise them 
professionally. Well, you think that an animal, now a mammal, you got the same mother and the same father. Then why would them dogs or cats or whatever more wind up with a different nature? Now, I've had a lot of different horses in my life, and you know, the breed of a horse has a lot to do with the horse, but the horse itself also has an individuality about it. Same with dogs, cats, anything else. And you say, how how does that all come about? That every one of them from the gene pool are not exactly identical. So here you've got two dogs and their brothers, and yet one of them will be, you know, one way and the other will be another way. One of them's the best dog ever was, and one of them ain't worth a lollipop. I ain't got enough sense to get in and out of the rain. I mean, he's got a pedigree that long, but don't do no good. He can't read it. He ain't what he's even for. But you say, what in the world? Well, it's the grab bag of the way the GNA and the DNA, or the genes, rather, comes out through the DNA. And then what? You say, many of us want to attribute our animal nature and stuff about our human makeup as being God-given. No. Much of our nature is a higher form of dog life. That's why in a family, look, I'm the oldest of seven, so I know a little bit about variety. I know a little bit about how from the same mother and from the same father can come different brothers, men, Harry, well, 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 we see a lot of things alike, but there's different makeup still between us and our human part, our brother, brother Jamie, and our, our sisters that we have. And yet every one of us, I'm glad it's that way. I wouldn't want everybody to be like me, and then I'm scared to death. I might have wound up being like somebody else. Well, praise the Lord. Now, think about it, then look at us whenever we are mammal and the same mother, the same father, and yet every one of us, the outcome of our DNA, our genes, and so on, and we'll be able to send it off to 23andMe, and they could go back how many ever generations and say, well, your uncle was so-and-so way back yonder in the pioneer days, and oh my, they done this and that and the other, but yet you might become the nature of one way behind you back here. The prophet said that a family will have a child and it'll be born red-headed. Nobody in the family they know of is red-headed, but yet that seed keeps passing right on down, maybe the third generation back, fourth generation back, and here that seed comes out in the natural part. Well, friends, one of the worst things we can allow Satan to do to us is convince us that our mammal Ishmael is Isaac, the promised son. You see, if he cannot keep you away from God, then he will try to convince you that much of your natural makeup is God-given. Then why would God anoint preachers to preach against our natural makeup that's wrong if God made us to be this way and then send preachers to preach against us? What kind of God are you serving? What kind of God do we have if God is so pleased with every one of our humanity, our temper, our anger, and whatever more that we have, the greatest enemy that we have in our life is our mammal makeup, and yet God is so pleased with it. Brother Wesley, God said, well, I don't want you to change. Well, why in the world do I need to preach then? 
Why in the world do we need a Bible unless God is telling us, look, you got that out of the human grab bag. That's what the prophet called it. The human grab bag and God sends his word and God sends the ministry to preach to us that we from the soul of the lamb will bring the outside body of the lion, the donkey, the pig, the hog, the bird, you know, whatever you are. Well, hallelujah. Some of y'all got a peacock nature because y'all the time standing around fluffing your favor and want everybody to see how beautiful you are. And you're so pretty and you're just God's gift to all the women of the world. You serpent thing, you. Well, hallelujah. There ain't no peacocks in the economy of God. There ain't no hogs in the economy of God. There are sons and daughters of God. The hogs is the body we're packing around. The dogs are the bodies that we're packing around. Oh, Jesus. Notice this. He says, then after he done made man in his own image, he created them male and female. There was no man to till the soil. And he put him in the dust of the earth and therefore he was that man. So the first man was a man of Genesis 1. Then there was the man of Genesis 2. And then there was the promised man of Genesis 3. So the man of Genesis 1, 26, was the spirit man. But he placed that spirit man into a body of mammal, animal flesh. And he merged him inside that body. So here he is, the highest form of animal life. Why? God wanted the man which is going to lead the animals to bear the image of the animals he would lead. So if a man dies, a woman dies, a baby dies, a dog dies, a lion dies, an elephant dies, all these things die. They all lay out on the, on the sand somewhere and they lay there and they rot and they go back to the dust of the earth. Does man's dust have gold in it? Is man's death so supernatural and so wonderful? Let it lay there long enough and you will not be able to differentiate between the two, between a billionaire or a dog. Why? Because the body goes right back to the dust of the earth. It will rot. Come on, saints, you might as well say amen. It will rot and go right back to the dust of the earth. Oh, but if you've got that soul in there, come from God. Amen. Notice this. This human was mammal. See, he was animal. He put this spirit of God. Ah. Put this spirit of God alive into him. So here the first son of God stepped into an animal body. A son of God stepped into an animal body. And the body is standing there with his toes down into the, into the dirt and like, like the roots of a tree. And he's standing there with no life. Yet he has the mechanics of sinews and bones and cells and tissues and eyes and muscles and all of that. But nothing is moving. Nothing is alive. And what does God do? God breathes into him a type of the Holy Ghost. God breathed into him the first son of God. 
Amen. And when he received that son of God inside of him, his eyes began to bat. His heart kicked in for the first time. His blood pressure started going up. All the mechanics of his body started moving. Now it was divine life merged into animal life. Can't you see why God is going to perform reconciliation and redemption? God must come down and live in a body also like mammal. He must live in a body that is like his wife. He must live in a body that is like his creation. Oh my. Notice now how the prophet goes into this about God bringing us to a new birth. But that soul that's in there, see, that soul is what God is working on. See, if he can get that nature, that spirit to agree with him, then that nature dies. Now, this is what happens when you started feeling something moving on you, whether it was in a church, in a barn, in a bar stool, wherever it was, and the Spirit of God started moving on your heart, and you felt something pulling you. This is what was going on. God was moving on that nature of your spirit that you was born with. This is why you might have got emotional. You might have got scared. You might have started crying. You might have felt fear, trauma. What was it? Death was moving near your nature. Praise be to God. Death was moving near your nature that you were born with and it frightens you. It alarms you because you'd never felt anything like it before in your life. And even though you were not exactly sure what was going on, it was an alarm to you. Something began to move in you, inside of you. Oh God, oh God, please forgive me, Lord. I'm so wrong, I'm so wrong. God, please have mercy. God, let me die right here, Lord. Well, if you really meant that, The Spirit of God took the life of your old nature. If he can only get that nature, that spirit, to agree with him, then that nature, God, friend, you're talking about a miracle. The new birth is one of the greatest miracles you'll ever experience. That God could actually get your nature, your sinful nature, to agree. Agree to what? To die. Then that nature dies. The nature and the love of the world. You see, friends, why folks are missing the new birth? Well, I accept the Lord Jesus as my Savior. I'll quit drinking, I'll quit smoking, I'll quit running around, I'll quit, I'll quit, I'll quit, I'll quit. quit. And many of them do. But then they go to feeding the craving, the desire, the hunger, and they go back to doing the same things they've done before and worse. Why? They never let that nature come together with God and God kill that nature and that nature be annihilated forever. If you're ever born again, you will never, ever, ever have a nature of the world inside of you again. It's totally impossible. So notice what happens. If he could only get that nature, that spirit to agree with him, then that nature, what a marvel. 
How does God talk that nature into agreeing with him? Then that nature dies. The nature and the love of the world dies and the things of the world is dead. Oh, people say, well, this didn't, oh, this bothers me and this bothers me. That's, that's not your problem. The problem is the love for those things. If there was no love, no love, no hunger, no thirst for those things, they could be around you. They could live next door to you. Look, friend, oh, Brother Donnie, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start a, a petition. I'm going to see if we can burn all the cigarette factories. So, smoking bothered me all of my life. The cigarette factories don't need to be burned. What we need to do is burn out that sin nature in your soul. Look, brother, if you live right in the middle of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and there was a tobacco process place there, and Winston was over there, and Salem was over there, and Camel was over there, and all the rest of them was all around you, you'd walk right down the middle and say, glory to God, he set me free. Why, you got your mask on, that old tobacco smell. It don't bother you no more. We don't need to send a torch lighter down there to burn up the bars and the honky-tonk, but we need our nature annihilated. Notice he said, if you love the world, the things of the world, the love of God... It's not in you. It's so simple. It's so, it's so simple. When the love of the world, which is identified with that worldly nature, is in there, it's the king of your being. So the love of God and the love of the world cannot be on the same heart. It cannot be in the same throne room. They cannot occupy together. God will not share his throne with anyone else. But notice what happens when a person is born again. They may shout, they may not, they may cry, they may jump. Who knows what they'll do at the instant that it happens. But within them, that very moment, Brother Jim, when they die and that nature of the world dies inside of them, listen to me carefully, they are standing there soulless. Lord God. For a moment, for a second, The leader of their being is now dead. So God must quicken the seed, which is the real soul. So if your soul is the nature of your spirit when you're born, I wonder who your new nature the soul you have now wonder whose nature of whose spirit it is. <laughs> Glory be to God. If your soul was the nature of your spirit and God had that nature to reason with him and it died, then God quickens that seed and births that seed inside of you, your new nature then who is the new nature of your soul? The almighty God. Then you are born again. 
born again, there's really been a change in me. I got born again just like Jesus said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I ain't talking about coming up and shaking the preacher's hand. I ain't talking about putting your name on a book. I ain't talking about just grabbing a tape and memorizing Brother Branham's voice. I'm talking about God, you and God meeting in the judgment room. Don't you understand what happened? That your soul met God and God annihilated that nature. Hallelujah. And in a moment of time, he breathed the breath of life into that predestinated seed that he deposited in you when you were born. And then the lion wakes up. Imagine going to sleep. Everything in the jungle shuts up. And you wake out of a nap. And you get ready to do it again. to me born again you see actually new births can be will be and should be very humiliating because you'll never be able to express your greatness again your royal highness You will be known among the lions as the pansy, the weakling, the house cat. Oh, he used to be like the best of us. He could drink that vodka. He could drink old Jim Crow or Turkey or Daniels or whatever his name is. Man, alive. I've seen him kill one after another, smoke marijuana, take pills and everything. You know what he does now for fun? Goes to church and gets whooped on. He goes to church and gets whooped on and he wants me to go with him. Can you imagine me going up there to that crazy church and letting them not head preacher beat on me? No way. Well, he's, he's a pansy. He's absolute weakling. Praise God. Praise God. You're proud of the very thing you should be ashamed of and you're ashamed of the very thing you should be proud of. You ought to be proud that you're not like you used to be. You ought to be so thankful to God. So this nature has to die. And the nature of God comes and lives in you. And God is the only thing that it is that never did begin or never did end. This is why it confuses folks even in the message. Well, when they were here, Brother Branham said there's only one form of eternal life and that was you. Yeah. 
You, of course, in your original state. Me in my original state, I was part of God. Can I go on just a little bit? So therefore, he has partnership, you see. And taken this man, earthly, and this eternal spirit, and put it together. Because God reflected himself back in that, that he become a man when he become Christ Jesus. And he was God. See, God was in Christ that lived in him, reconciling the world to himself. And through that perfect man, each one of us imperfect, that believe in God has accepted that, becomes the perfection of him. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I'll pay my tithes. That's, that's good, but that's not the way you become perfect. You become perfect by accepting his perfection. What's this in Jehovah Jireh in 1964? Then God created man out of the dust of the earth and made him in the form of an animal. Any of y'all ever seen a, seen a bear skin out? A bear? Seen its paw? It's amazing how much it looks like a human. It's amazing the different parts of animals that you'll look at human beings. Unless you really know what you're looking at, you'll think it's a human part. Why? God made the image reflect from the animal kingdom right inside the head of the race, man. So when the man Christ Jesus come on the earth, his hair looked like our hair. His eyes looked like our eyes. His hands looked like our hands. But he come carrying the soul of God, the embodiment of God to release his soul. Praise be to God. We're mammal. That's warm-blooded animal. We're in that image of animal life. That's your Ishmael. Question answered 1964. And human is an animal. The man, the flesh part. Notice where he puts the tense. Not was, is animal flesh. We know that. We are mammals. So don't get mad at me for saying Brother Branham was. Brother Branham said he himself was an animal. A mammal. Which is warm-blooded animal. We know that. But what makes the difference? The animal does not have the inward soul, but the human does. He don't know right from wrong. Friends, can't you see when the Spirit of God is off of human beings? Look out here. Look out here at our race. Look out here at our generation. Look at the time that we're in. People are doing things we never thought possible for a human being to do. Take the Spirit of God off of a man. He's lower than a bear. He's lower than a hog. He's lower than a dog. Come on, friends. There won't be no dogs in hell. Think about it. There'll be no animals in hell. Why? They cannot sin. They will never be thrown into the lake of fire. No, they cannot sin. But think of the human beings, the height of the animals. Why will they be in hell? Because they have a soul to know right from wrong. And the Spirit of God moves on that nature, trying to get it to die. And they say, no, no. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't want to. Leave me alone, God. 
that decision will haunt them through the ages. Aren't you glad one day God helped you to accept that? Let's stand together. I got way too much to go on into. Let's stop. You see, the truth of it is this. The old nature is so vile and so corrupt, it can never be redeemed. It could never be sanctified. And the new nature is so sinless, it don't need to be sanctified because it is your own representation from the presence of God. What is the work of sanctification that goes on in us? It ain't your soul. It's your body. This is why in Future Home, he tells us that a person comes to justification and then they move to sanctification and it sets your mind toward holiness. So whenever you're getting sanctified, what are you doing? You're taking these clothes out of your closet. You're getting rid of this music. You're doing this. Why? Because it caters to this. So the state of sanctification bears over on the life that you live every day. Praise God. Because the soul, once the soul gets the Holy Ghost, do we maintain our sanctification? We do. We still live a sanctified separate life. Why? You can't trust this animal. There ain't a one of us here, friends, that if we let our flesh do whatever it wants to do, we'll be in a mess of trouble, including the pastor, deacons, trustees, song leader, everybody here. Your flesh is an animal. Quit catering to it. Quit babying it. Quit accepting it as the promised seed. It is your enemy. Not your friend. Let's bow our heads. Oh my. Lord Jesus. I pray today, Father, that you would help us. I know we've covered a lot of territory. May they ruminate, Lord. Maybe they go back and they listen to it time or two or three or four or whatever. Lord, if there's one standing here today, they've accepted you as their Savior, and all of it's been from a mental standpoint. But really, their nature has never reasoned and agreed with you, and there, as it reasoned, you took its life on the altar. Then, Lord God, you breathed into that seed the breath of life. No wonder the prophet could say, you never sinned in the first place. I used to listen to that in Invisible Union, Lord, and I, I, I just, I missed the point. I missed the point of what he was saying. Whenever he'd say, if you heard I got drunk and I'd done all these evil things and then you found out I didn't do them. And then you'd say, Brother Branham, I forgive you. And he said, forgive me? I never did it in the first place. Lord, we realize, many of us, what we've looked at, the new births, is that old man, that old nature. We go up to the altar and they beat us on the back or whatever more. And you forgive that old nature. We try to bring that old nature in line. We bring him to church. We try to put him through sanctification. That ain't your process at all. You ain't trying to save that old man. You want to kill him. 
Help us, Lord. Oh, Jesus, thank you for my new person. Lord God, I thank you for all I've seen you do. I'm one little bitty old tiny guy that's done hardly nothing for you. But yet, Lord, I can say I've seen you do such miraculous things as far as healings. I've seen you, Lord God, do many tremendous things. And I appreciate all of that. But Lord, the greatest miracle to this date is me being born again. No doubt many of those people that I've prayed for that you performed a miracle on, they'll get sick again, and no doubt many of them are already died. But Lord God, that miracle of the new birth can never die. Praise God. Help us here today, Lord Jesus. Maybe get a true understanding. The new birth is not trying to save and sanctify and put the Holy Ghost in that old man. The Holy Ghost won't go in that old man. He's got today to die and make room for the new man. No wonder the prophet said, a soul of God that was in God. So what I was born with was not that part that was in God. It was the nature of my spirit being crossbred between Satan and Eve. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I don't, I'm not even sure, Lord, when it was that it really did die. I know you changed me that night down at the altar, that little hole in this church. Something happened to me. And I know, Lord, when I went up and prayed for the Holy Ghost, I know something happened to me. But, Lord, I was still so wrong. I'm not sure, Lord, if it was when I come to the message, after I come to the message, what tape I was listening to, what sermon I was sharing, I don't know. But all I know is I'm not the same man I was when I was in Pentecost. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I appreciate it, Lord, with all of my heart. Lord God, may your breath, glory to God, may your breath come through this place today. Those that are out streaming, no matter where they'd be around the world, may the breath of God pass through those saints there in France, those in Australia, those in New Zealand, those in Canada, different parts of the world, different time zones will listen to it today. Lord God, while we're praying together, may the breath of God come through that little hut in Africa, that place, Lord God, where they're sitting there maybe in a library because they don't have internet in their home. May the breath of God pass through that cafe. Hallelujah. And birth that black man sitting there, Lord God, that black woman, that Indian, Lord God, in Madras, wherever they live. Lord Jesus, we call upon your mighty name. May you open up this lion, this donkey, this prideful peacock. May you put us to sleep as it were. And when we wake, we'll not awaken our pride. But that peacock will awake in genuine humility. 
That donkey that went to sleep so stubborn and so hard-headed, nobody could ever tell them nothing. But they'll awake with a lamb nature. Oh, they'll still deal with that old donkey part. But now they got a power to bring it subject. Praise God. Help us, Jesus. Grant it, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, breath of God, come through this place today. Breathe on us, Lord. Lord God, some have already experienced that breath of the new birth, but they're needing the breath of healing, the breath of peace. Our nation in such turmoil, our world in such turmoil. Lord, do you see what the scientists are saying about our pandemic? Of them not thinking it's going to get better for a while, but it's going to get worse. Lord God, may you pass through this place and other where your children are gathered and breathe peace upon our hearts, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Healing, deliverance, whatever we have need of today, Father God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Can we just take a few minutes, friends, just to worship him a little bit? We've got a little sister that's going to be baptized today. Brother Wes, they'll come prepare for that. Listen what, what Brother Branham said. Let me read it to you. Brother Eric, jump over to the lamb and the dove just a couple of pages over. If you want to be a Christian, just ask Christ. He will take your old nature out and put a new nature in. Then you don't have to impersonate anything. It's just your normal life that you're living. As long as you've got malice, envy, and strife, and all these things in the world, then you know Christ isn't there. Look, people think the things of the world are just drinking, smoking dope, popping pills. Look, friends, when you have envy and strife and hatred, that preceded smoking. That was before there was ever one drop of alcohol. Being worldly and having worldly things in you is not just drinking and smoking and committing adultery on your wife. Notice this. If you love the world, the things of the world, the love of God's not even in you. See, because the life of God is in you. The life is in there. It just produces itself. It just lives its way out. Let me read one more in Hebrews. Your old nature died. The nature of the world. And you become a new creation. So you imagine there was a death and a birth almost at the same time. Look at the time we're living in. People dying all around us and births happening every day. People are dying and people are being born. That's the miracle of the new birth. That your nature dies and once it's dead. And about the speed of a twinkling of an eye, maybe. Your new nature, your new person is resurrected. Praise God. Sing whatever's on your heart there. Oh, Jesus, draw oh, me Jesus. close. Grab it, Lord God. Closer, Lord. Closer, Lord. To you. Yeah. 
us, Father. Let the world around me, let it fade Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise God. Aren't you glad you're born again? Born again. The miracle of the new birth, the mysterious soul in your body. 
which now belongs to God. Remember, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, your soul, your spirit, your body, the merging together of the mystery of God, the same with you. Your soul now being born again, your spirit will be replaced with your theophany in the body change. And your animal, mammal body will be changed unto a body like unto his own glorious body. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The Lord Jesus' body, you imagine, there in the tomb, he wasn't just brought back to life, but he was changed. He died a 33-year-old man, but he looked like 50. But that was not the raised body that Martha saw, that Mary saw, that the disciples saw. He was changed back to a young man. You imagine that body is the image of what one day we will be. No longer bearing the image of animal. Praise God. But soul, attribute of God. Theophany, spirit being that rotated off that great pillar of fire in the beginning. And your body being changed. It's almost more than our minds can comprehend. But God all over the world will speak. Will speak. And the rapture will take place. Our bodies will be transformed into spoken word bodies. Therefore, if you have died and entered into the theophany, what happens? You bring the theophany. You bring the theophany to meet the body. If you are here, you take the body to meet the theophany. Don't you see who the central focus of the whole thing is? It's you. You who? The soul of God that was in God. The seed of God. That's the pivotal point of view. That's the God part of you. Your soul. A soul of God that was in God. Take my hands, lift them up, for I have not the strength to praise you near enough, for I have nothing, I have nothing without you. Take my voice, pour it out, let it sing the songs of mercy I have found, for I have nothing, I have nothing without you.
you to help us to pray for Lish today. Today's day 18 for her with this COVID thing and she's had a really tough time and still still having a lot of the symptoms of it. Also Carol's aunt down in Kentucky. For those of you that have been there to the church in Kentucky, she lived in the little house below the church there. She's the one who gave us a property years and years ago for the church. She's uh, in intensive care with COVID in Kentucky. There's many others we know. There's many others. Maybe you've got that loved one, that friend that you know of that's suffering. Can we just bring them before the Lord this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we say it all the time here that we're a needy people. Dear God, we don't say we're needy to magnify how many our needs are, but to make our requests and our desires known to you. You see, Lord Jesus, how sicklish it's been with this thing, Father. I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd touch her, Lord. You see, us still having these headaches and weakness in her body. And dear God, may the presence of the Holy Ghost go right now to her home, Lord. Dear God, we believe your word together. Touch her now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for Helen in the hospital there. Lord, you see that thing she did for us many, many years ago. Lord, even though she didn't understand what I preached, she didn't understand what I stood for and still maybe does not, but yet she loved us. Lord, she loved us and always been special. She was so special to Carol, always has been. Now, Lord, she's in the need of prayer. We join our faith together. She asked that we would have our church to pray for her. Dear God, we bring her before you today in the name of Jesus. I pray for your children around the world, Lord, suffering with this evil thing. God, we curse it in the name of Jesus. May it go back to hell from where it come from. Bring healing and deliverance. Father, not only for just the physical part, but Lord, we know with this thing there's a psychological part. Lord, there's so many things. We know it's a realm of demonology. But Lord Jesus, your power is greater. Bring healing, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Take my time here on earth let it glorify all that you are for i am nothing jesus i am nothing without you take my time here on earth, let it glorify all that you are worth, for I am nothing, I am nothing without you. And Yeah. 
Amen. How many believe He's still a miracle working God today? Amen. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praises. Amen. Just leave all that excess flesh on the floor this morning. Janter should come through and sweep that up for us. Amen. Let's just sing this little chorus. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Amen. Let's sing this this morning as you're dismissed. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. my
my chains are gone I've been set free My God, my Savior has ransomed me Chains are gone.